like to ask you to turn your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 17. We are in our second of our three messages that we're going to share on the Lord's Supper. Last week, we introduced the Lord's Supper. We shared the ingredients of the Lord's Supper. And tonight, the message is going to be on partaking the Lord's Supper. And we read of some details of that very event in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. First of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must, also, there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread, and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged... We are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Speaking of order, 1 Corinthians 14.40 says... Let all things be done decently and in order. And we made reference to the things that were precisely given according to pattern for others to do. For Noah in the building of the ark. 
for the children of Israel in the taking down and the setting up of the tabernacle that constantly went on through the wilderness. You could include the Ark of the Covenant in that. That in the making of it, it was to be a precise wood of precise measurements. And there was an overlay in gold that was to take place. And so there was a specific detail in the constructing of all of these things. And there is a pattern for you and I to follow in the two ordinances that we participate in the church with. And that's baptism and the Lord's Supper. Let's look at the scheduling of the Lord's Supper in verses 25 and 26. It says, After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying the words of Jesus, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. A Baptist invited someone of another denomination to church one time, and they said, I appreciate the invite, but I will not be able to come and attend with you at your church. And the Politely, the response was, well, do you want to tell me about it? Why? And they said, because you all cannot fulfill my spiritual needs over there. And they were asked, how's that? And their response was, well, the Bible says to take the Lord's Supper as often as you can. And I know you don't do that. So as a result of that, you wouldn't be able to fulfill my spiritual needs. And they took what they believed from these two verses that I just read. And just like last week, when we went into the original language and of that word drunken and what that word means, uh, if you just read that, you just think one thing. But you look up the definition and it simply means to be full. And we can be full of a lot of different things. And, and, and so there, there is definitely such insight into the study of words. Let me talk about this in this simple way. My son, about one year ago, was on this chocolate milk kick. And he was always coming to Shelly and I saying, hey, remember chocolate milk when you go to the store. I mean, he tried them all in all the stores. And I'm happy to say he liked the most inexpensive one. That was his favorite one. He wouldn't do the expensive ones. That was good. But he would say, please remember the chocolate milk. Remember the chocolate milk. Don't forget when you go. You know, and, and finally, I told him, Look, whenever I go to the store, I'm going to get it for you, okay? Now, 400 years ago, it would have made perfect sense for me to say to him, hey, as often as I go to the store, I'm going to bring you some home. He would probably respond with, 
What does that mean? When are you going? And that would be a good question because that terminology does not restrict me to any certain time to be able to go. That would not mean that I would need to bring him chocolate milk home once a week. It wouldn't mean I need to bring it once a month. It would be whenever I go. So we see the words oft here, and we see the word often here, but the way it is used and what it means here is whenever you do it, whenever you partake of the Lord's Supper. That's the language that is being used. And there's no time restriction that is put on you and I partaking in the Lord's Supper. We are not instructed in Scripture as to how often we are to observe this ordinance. And of course, as we all know, the Lord could have very easily made it crystal clear if he had a passion for the time and how often and if there was a schedule that we should be on in observing it. He didn't do that. He did tell Corinth concerning the collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem that upon the first day of the week, they were to put it aside. That was crystal clear instructions. They knew the first day of the week that they were to do that. But we do not have those identifying terms here as to how often we should partake in the Lord's Supper. We have been given instructions, precise instructions on the Lord's Supper for whenever we partake of it. Now, you might say, well, it's very important, isn't it? So what's wrong with doing this as much as possible? How about we observe this uh, ordinance very often because it's very important and it is an important ordinance. And we do not want to neglect it to the point that we would look like it's not important to us. But at the same time, with many things, the motions can be gone through so often that it loses its meaning. I think back as a young Christian in, in a certain church and I'm a, I don't know but I'm afraid that that might have happened due to testimony I've already given of my lack of understanding of the depths of the Lord's Supper when it was taken and taken rather often. So we don't want it to lose its meaning. We do not have an emphasis here on how often that we are to take it. But in the scriptures that we have shared, we do have an emphasis on something that is very important for when we do take it. And that is when the church is in harmony, when there is unity in the church. We find this in the scriptures in where are we at? I think it's verse 18. First of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. 
Division is detestable to the Lord. There is something that is very important about the time that we do partake of the Lord's Supper. That be that there be unity in the church. That there be a sweet spirit and fellowship in the church. And there be a, a spiritual discerning in a leading of the congregation to, to see that time when we're never always perfect, but there's a time where there's sweet unity in the church. And that's when the Lord's Supper should be observed. We can't schedule that unity. I wish we could say it were going to be that way all the time. And we can schedule it out for the next 10 years. But we can't do that. We can't put that certain time on it. But there is that time where there is unity that is going to be found in the body. And that will be the time of the Lord's Supper observance. So we have the scheduling of the Lord's Supper, which is no particular time. But there's also the setting for the Lord's Supper that we can consider tonight. Some Christians go on vacation, I hear, and they take the Lord's Supper with them on vacation. They don't leave home without it. That it's something that that goes with them in, in whatever they do. I've heard of several churches, different denominations, getting together at some neutral place like a civic center and inviting the citizens of the community, not knowing what background they are, for a Christmas or a New Year's Eve candlelight service and observance of the Lord's Supper. Now, I believe in outreach. I love outreach, but not when it goes against God's word, not when it isn't scriptural. There is no scriptural support for things of this nature whatsoever. The setting for the observance of the Lord's Supper is the saints in one assembly together. Paul wrote here to the church at Corinth in our readings tonight. And toward the beginning of it in verse 18, he writes, When ye come together in the church. And toward the end of it in verse 33, he writes, When ye come together. And he writes it again here. So the saints assembled together. This is the, the setting for observance of this ordinance. You know it kind of reminds me. Of a board of directors. I'm seeing a lot of signs in people's yards in the neighborhood. Vote for so and so for board. I've heard of some churches around here that have become very involved. In that for, for whatever reason. But it reminds me of how a board should truly operate. You have a board of people. And then when you have a parent of a child in a school in the district. And they come individually to one board member. The way they're rightly going to handle that. 
is to say, look, I am not the board. Right now, I'm a parent just like you. You can come to the board meeting and, and the board will be there. When, when we meet, we are the board. But individually, we're not the board. We're however many amount of people and we're one voice together. And we do not operate this way. And it goes the same for Lord's Supper participants. We're not a Lord's Supper participant individually, but we are when we're together, when we're all assembled together in one place. We're to be strictly faithful as a church to this church ordinance. So there's the scheduling of the Lord's Supper, the setting for the Lord's Supper. But let's consider something else about these supper participants. But there, because there's a quandary, if you will, as far as three views that people have concerning the Lord's Supper. And let me say this about all three views at first. There are restrictions with every one. Every single view has a boundary, and there are people who are excluded from every one of them. The boundary is set in three different places, though. And most of us are familiar with these three views of the Lord's Supper. There's open communion, there's close communion, and then there's closed communion. And open communion says, if you profess to be a Christian, you can gather and partake the Lord's Supper. And I'm not here to try to be overly critical, but just to state our point. But I can't help but think in that of just me and in my time of getting to speak with people and how many there are of cults and other religions who would profess to be a Christian. And, and their religion or their cult is obviously not Christianity. But there is open communion, and there is that viewpoint out there that says anyone who professes to be a Christian can partake. And then there's close communion. And close communion says... Anyone of the same denomination, feel free to partake in the observance of the Lord's Supper. In other words, a Baptist church, there's a Baptist church that would say anyone who's a Baptist can partake of the Lord's Supper. And again, and this is just a small point in it, but what comes to my mind is back in 2005 when I learned at that time that there were 35 different kinds of Baptists and many different beliefs among those who would call themselves Baptists. You know, anyone can get together in a group and call themselves something. At the same time, let me say this. I'm very comfortable when I see Baptists on the, on the church marquee out front because... There are true Baptists. I, I'm a member of this church because I believe this is a true Baptist church. And it, it's comforting to, to see that and to know that. And that brings us to our third view on the Lord's Supper. 
and that is closed communion. Closed communion will be those of one church only in the membership who partake of the Lord's Supper. Whatever church is administering the Lord's Supper, it's only for those members. And that is the firm stance that we take on the Lord's Supper. That is our view. We believe it's the right view. We stand on that and we stand on it for good reason. And we qualify this through the Bible. There are, there are biblical qualifications for the supper participant. And we're going to look at a few things as to why we set these boundaries. First of all, let's look at the who. As in, who can partake of the Lord's Supper? Well, they are to be a Christian. And they're, they're to be a baptized believer. In, in someone being a baptized believer, what we're understanding by that is that they have membership in the church. They, they, they have either come and been voted on by the church by promise of letter. Or they have been baptized and they are a member of the church by, by vote and by baptism. Some would call that tunnel vision that we would administer the Lord's Supper and exclude anyone who was a guest in the church uh, or anything like that in saying that it's only for the members of this church. I don't call it tunnel vision. I call it true to the scriptures. And that's the way we should be. The first time I ever led in administering the Lord's Supper in a church, the, the first and only church, other church that I was a pastor in, we had a wonderful, faithful guest who had been coming to the church. I was, I was so desiring that this certain person would join the church. And they attended during a service when we observed the Lord's Supper. And we stated that this is for the members of the church only. And I heard later that the man gave the number one, I would call it the number one answer for someone who would complain about it and say, I'm a child of God. Why can't I take of it? And some people are confused. Some people don't understand. And unfortunately, with that person that I was praying would join, after that service, we never saw that guest again uh, come into the service. But as we consider the truth and the convictions that we're to have, we're to never compromise what's right for what would make us popular. We need to stick to our convictions. Salvation comes before baptism. Baptism comes before the Lord's Supper. And that being for a member of the Lord's local called out assembly. You don't hear much about the local church anymore. The, the visible local church that there's, we just don't talk about it too much anymore. You don't hear too much about it anymore. We need to honor what Jesus instituted. And the church is a local called out assembly of baptized believers. 
And we as a church need to be in obedience to the Lord's command and the Lord's pattern as he has set forth the instructions for the Lord's Supper. You know, there are other churches who believe so much like us, maybe, maybe just like us. There are churches I, I fellowship with. If if God moved me to another town for some reason and I needed a church, I needed to join there. There are some other churches in other towns that I know and love and probably feel like I would join. But but even as far as for them to attend with us, as far as what the Lord has instituted, look, we are a church that is under the Lord and and no one else. And and considering what the Lord has made and put together, whether other churches operate as a biblical church or not, every church is independent of another church, of another association, or any other convention whatsoever. The church ordinance of the Lord's Supper is to include no more than the members of that church, of one's own congregation. So there's the reason for our closed communion as far as who, but there's also a walk reason we can give for having closed communion, and that is because a member is to be walking in the fellowship of the church. We can't know that of another Christian. We can't know that of other churches, but we can know that within our church if we are walking in fellowship with the church. We can approve or disapprove in discernment and and what we know by testimony within our own church, but not in another church. Church discipline cannot be practiced by this church in another church at all. Everyone knows that, and that would sound absurd if someone would say that we can do that. And it's only within one congregation that church discipline would take place. In the Bible, we find a command for withdrawal of fellowship, for excommunication, to mark them which are unruly. We don't want it to be that way. And some of these things are a last resort. But the ultimate idea and passion in that is to restore an individual. But all of this takes is written to one church. And for that church to take this action within the membership. We're required to by the Bible, but it's only a practice that is done by a church with its own members. One church is not responsible for the condition of another church. And... We cannot discern that in another church. It's it's not our business to. We do not know another church's walk in the fellowship of the church. But we do in our own. So restrictions of the ordinance of administering this, this ordinance to a church 
It makes sense that it would be closed communion. It makes sense that it would just be within one congregation that is that it is given. We can't be responsible for someone outside the membership. So as far as our reasons for closed communion, there's a who, there's a walk, and there's a watch. We see in verses 28 through 32... That there is a watch. Right there in verse 28. Let me just read that. It says. But let a man examine himself. See what we have here. And what we're doing for three weeks. Is helping one another. That we might remember. The Lord. His broken body. And his shed blood. And that we might reflect upon our own lives as we come to take the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. We need to examine our own lives for sin in our lives that we would confess it to the Lord. This is something daily and continually, but there is a great emphasis that we would examine our lives at this time. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is a continual command that didn't just happen at salvation and never again. We're to deal with those sins continually. We're saved and we're going to heaven, but we are to deal with these things. We are being sanctified while we are on this earth. And in this process of sanctification, we are confessing those sins daily. There's a change that takes place when we go from darkness to light. When we get saved, we just don't we don't enjoy sin like we used to. We still sin, but we're miserable in it. The Holy Spirit lives within us and there's conviction. And and we're restless until we sit down and agree with God. Explain it to him what we did in detail. That makes it a lot less fun. And to even go to the scripture where he reprimands what we've done and agree with God. That's what it means to confess to him. And so we're to examine our lives. We are are to come together. This is this is all about unity in the Lord's Supper. We're only to do it when we're assembled together. But there is something individually for us all to do, for us all to prepare our hearts and for us all to examine our lives and to reflect on any of those things that might dishonor and offend God and to confess those things to him. Let me jump back. To a warning, though, uh, before the watch in verse 27. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. I have heard people talk about this word unworthily and call it unworthy. And I've heard all the talk I want to hear on what's a noun and what's a verb here. I simply did understand this the first time I studied it and never had to change my mind or discover something new on it. And that is simply a warning here 
not to observe the Lord's Supper in the wrong manner. I don't know about your mama, but when my mama set me down at the table for dinner, there was no playing at the table. And when we come before God's table, there's no playing at his table. This is something sincere. It's something serious. We read of consequences of the, of the sickly among them that happened and even those that slept. So we have a great responsibility individually as those who participate that we would confess our sins to the Lord, that there would be a time that we would take to reflect upon our lives. That that's why we're taking three weeks before the Lord's Supper that we would prepare our hearts for it. We're not announcing this and in inviting the public. They're not being informed on this, but the church is being informed. And we take responsibility in closed communion within one congregation that we would reflect on these things, that we would remember the Lord Jesus and what he has done for us, that our hearts would be in such a place that we would want to be cleansed and come before him. We're not worthy. Well, we'll never be worthy, but that we wouldn't partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily. So even for the next two weeks until we take the Lord's Supper, what a great time for us to pray for the church, to consider our individual lives and and to look at our walk with the Lord Changes that we know we need to make. It's not a righteous or a noble thing to say, I'm not going to take of the Lord's Supper because I know my mind and my heart is not in the right place. That's not what we do. We repent and we confess our sins to the Lord and we get our hearts right that we would honor him and that we would think about his son and consider our lives and that we would that we would take the representative of his body, his broken body, and the blood that was shed for us, and our minds and our hearts would be on him, and we would glorify him in this ordinance that we would partake of as individuals. But together, as a church, within a church membership, well, we have one more message that's coming up next week, and then it will be Wednesday, May the 12th after that. And as a church, we will gather and we will partake of the Lord's Supper. It's good to see Terry Metter here tonight. I'm going to ask our brother Terry if he'll close us in a word of prayer.